Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke. Starting in chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Well, Merry Christmas. Emmanuel. God is with us. Did uh, anyone use the term Emmanuel this week? You were challenged to do that. Uh, I got to use it in a couple conversations and some emails instead of ending sincerely or whatever. I ended Emmanuel. Uh, God is with us. Glad you're with us. And I'd like you to uh, keep your Bibles open there to Luke chapter two for Luke chapter one for just a moment. Um, we're going to uh, continue our series called He Will Be Called, looking at some of the uh, names, titles that uh, it was prophesied Jesus would be called. And uh, today we're going to look at the Son of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you praise. It's been so good to worship you. It's been so good to lift you up, to lift up Jesus. Father, we pray that uh, each family represented here today would already be sensing your presence in this Christmas. And Father, I pray a blessing on each family as they celebrate today and tomorrow. Father, may you be very near to them. May they sense your presence. And may they worship you, even as families, and think on you and focus on Jesus, the Son of God. Father, speak to us now as we look at your word. Help us to understand as best we can what this means. That Jesus is the Son of God. In His name we pray. Amen. So, as uh, Lawrence read, the angel came to Mary and uh, said that this child to whom she would give birth was to be called the Son of the Most Holy God. That He would be called the Son of of God. Now, if, if Mary had been living a number of centuries 
further on in history, when she heard that, she may have said, no way. The Son of God? Can you imagine what she thought when she heard that? I mean, it was one thing to hear that somehow miraculously she was going to give birth as a virgin. But another to find out that the one to whom she would give birth would be called the Son of God. I don't think just in reading these words we can grasp the response of Mary and what it must have been like to hear that spoken by the angel. Did you know that over 40 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the Son of God? Which means it must be pretty important. And it must be uh, a name given to Jesus, a title given to him that's worthy of our attention. And so we're going to give that some attention today. We're going to think about Jesus being called the Son of God. What does that mean? You know, we as Christians, we, we use that term a lot, Son of God. We talk about Jesus being the Son of God. I would guess many of us, if we were questioned on that as to what we mean, we would stammer and, and uh, not be quite sure how we would answer that question. We can throw out that phrase, Son of God, but do we really know what it means? Well, we're going to think about that today. What we're going to do is, first of all, we're going to try and put this into the context of the time in which uh, these words were spoken to Mary. And uh, I want to just talk a little bit about what that term, Son of God, would have meant to the Romans at that time who were controlling the world. And then what it would have meant to the Jews at that time, Son of God. Then I want to make clear some of the things that Son of God does not mean. Then we'll talk about what it does mean. What does the Son of God, he will be called the Son of God, mean? And then we'll wrap it up by bringing it to our time. What does it mean for us that Jesus is the Son of God? So let's start in the context, all right? Um, when Jesus came into this world, the Romans were controlling the world. The Roman Empire was in power. And the term Son of God meant something to the Romans. Their emperors were worshipped. Their emperors were seen as deity. And so one of the many religions within the Roman uh, empire would have been emperor worship because they felt their emperor was a god. The four most familiar emperors of Rome to us are there on your study sheet. Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Nero, and Domitian. This emperor worship started with Julius Caesar. When Julius Caesar died, 
for seven straight nights, there was this comet seen in the sky. And the Romans decided that that was the soul of Julius Caesar. And it was evidence that Julius Caesar was, in fact, God, deity. And so two years later, after his death, the Roman Senate officially declared that Caesar was God. Now, Julius Caesar had adopted his nephew, whose name was Augustus. He had adopted Augustus as his son, even though he was a nephew. And so when Augustus became the emperor, Caesar Augustus, because Julius Caesar was declared to be God, and Caesar Augustus was the son of Julius Caesar, guess who Caesar Augustus was then? The son of God. Deity to be worshipped. If you're still in Luke chapter 1, I'd like you to go to the next chapter and be reminded of how the Christmas story in Luke begins. Verse 1, Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the Son of God, right? He had been adopted by Julius Caesar, who had been declared God. So that when he became emperor, he became the Son of God, deity to be worshipped. And so our Christmas story begins in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And the Christmas story is told. All that to just say to you, when Jesus came into this world, the Romans already had their son of God. He was Caesar Augustus, the emperor. To them, he was God, the son of God, deity, to be worshipped. What about the Jews? At the time when uh, Jesus came into this world, what did Son of God mean to them? Well, technically, they would have said there is no Son of God. They would have said God is spirit. God doesn't have sons. And there's only one God. And so he couldn't have a son of God like the Romans that would be worshipped as deity. There's only one God. They were looking for their Messiah. Their Messiah had been promised. There was a promise that God would send a Messiah, a deliverer, a rescuer, a redeemer, a king. But he wouldn't be the son of God. God is spirit. There's only one God. We're looking for the Messiah. 
not the Son of God. And yet the angel said to Mary, This child to whom you will give birth will be the Son of the Most Holy God. He will be called the Son of God. What does that not mean? We, we need to eliminate some things if we're going to decide what the Son of God means that Jesus would be called. First of all, in reference to Jesus, Son of God does not mean a Son of God. When you see this in the Scripture, you will find it read the Son of God, not a Son of God. He will be called the Son of God, the one and only, not one of many sons of God. He will be called the Son of God, the one and only. In John chapter 1, uh, verses 14, 18, Jesus is called the one and only Son. In John chapter 3, in that conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, he refers to himself as the one and only Son. So when we say Jesus is the Son of God, we're not talking about him being one of many gods or one of many sons of God. He is the one and only unique Son of God. Uh, it doesn't mean that Jesus was a biological offspring of two human beings. We know that's very clear from Luke 2, from Luke 1, from Matthew 1. This was a miracle. This wasn't uh, a birth where the result is a biological offspring of two human beings. We don't mean that when we say Jesus was the Son of God. It doesn't mean that he was a created being, that he had a beginning, that maybe he began his existence in Bethlehem that night. That's not what it means that Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't have a beginning. It doesn't mean that Jesus was in some kind of secondary position. You know, you have God the Father, and then you have God the Son, just below God the Father, second in rank, a little bit inferior. That's not what the Son of God means. So what does it mean? What does it mean? The Romans already had their God. Caesar, they had their son of God. The Jews were looking for their Messiah, not the son of God, the Messiah that God would send. And Jesus being the son of God doesn't mean these things that I just went through. So what does it mean? Here's where we'll spend a little more time. 
before we look at the scriptures, let me give you the answer. What does it mean when we say Jesus is called the Son of God, the one and only Son of God? It means this. Jesus is deity. Jesus is God. Jesus is the incarnate God. Jesus is God who came in the flesh to live among us. Even the Romans, who had their Son of God, believed in their thinking that Son of God meant God, deity. Even in their thinking, the Jews believed that the term Son of God meant deity, meant God. That's why they weren't looking for the Son of God, because there's only one God. And God is spirit. He can't have a son. They knew Son of God meant deity. God. When we refer to Jesus, when Scripture refers to Jesus, when the angel referred to Jesus and said he will be called the Son of God, that meant he would be God, deity, come in the flesh. Now, I didn't make that up. The Scripture teaches that. Those of you who... um, And I've heard there's some of you who like to go home and look through the scriptures again that we have on the study sheet. Today you have a smorgasbord, okay? You have a you have a Christmas treat. There are a lot of scriptures here, and we're not going to look at all of them. So go at it uh, when you get home. But first of all, I want you to see just a sampling of how the scriptures do teach this: that Jesus was. God himself. In John, and we've spent a lot of time in John this month, John chapter 1, just once again to show you that the Scripture teaches this. John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. The Word, Jesus, who became flesh, was God. And he came in human form. He was the one and only son. He was God. If you go to uh, the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians 2, 9. Paul says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Paul taught that Jesus was God. In him, all the fullness of deity 
was present in bodily form. If you go to the book of Hebrews. Now, for this one, you have to kind of wake up and follow me because uh, this is so rich here in this teaching. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews is beginning uh, this theme of the book that, that Jesus is better than anything that was part of the Jewish religion. Jesus was better. And so in chapter 1, in verse 8, it says, About the Son, he says. He's, he's trying to show that Jesus is greater than angels, because angels are very important in the Jewish religion. And so in doing that, he's been talking about God. And in verse 8, he says, But about the Son, he, God, says. So keep this straight, who's talking, okay? About the Son, Jesus, God says, here's what he says, your throne, O God. Who's calling Jesus God? God. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom, Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, referring to who? The Son. Your God has set you above your companions. Verse 10. He also says, God says, in the beginning, Lord, he calls Jesus Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you, Jesus, the son will remain. Read through that passage again on your own and just think through it. God calling Jesus God. It's hard to fathom, but it's there. It's another indication that Scripture teaches the deity of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. What does that mean? He was God, the one and only Son. He was God. And many believed it. Many did. For instance, John the baptizer, in John 1, he said this, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God, referring to Jesus. Nathaniel, one of the disciples, in John 1, says to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. The twelve disciples on a boat on the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 14, they all say, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter, in Matthew 16, said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Martha, in John 11, said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. Paul, after he was saved and changed in Acts 9, it says he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And even the demons in Matthew chapter 8 said to Jesus, What do you want with us, Son of God? We know who you are. Son of God. Many believed Jesus was the Son of God. Scripture teaches he was the Son of God, which meant 
deity. He was God, the one and only. Many believed that after they had seen and heard. Jesus even claimed it, and this becomes very important. When Jesus was here, he claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be God. And the opposition rejected that claim because they knew what Son of God meant. They knew it meant deity, that he was God. That's why they rejected him. He was calling himself God when he called himself the Son of God. They knew what it meant. Uh, For instance, if you go to John chapter 5, John chapter 5. Starting in verse 16, it says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, even the opposition understood what son of God meant. They understood that when Jesus called himself, claimed to be the son of God, he was claiming to be equal with God. He was claiming to be God. Uh, if you go over to uh, chapter 10 of John. Chapter 10. Let's start in verse 27. Jesus speaking. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. You see, even the opposition understood what Jesus was claiming. Even the opposition, these Jewish leaders, knew what son of God, what that claim meant. It meant he was God. And they call that blasphemy, that he would call himself the son of God, God himself. And then if you would turn to uh, John 19. John chapter 19, verse 7. This is when uh, the Jews have arrested Jesus, brought him to Pilate. Pilate wants to know what's going on. And verse 7, John 19, 7. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, 
And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. And that's blasphemy as far as they're concerned, because they knew what son of God meant. It meant deity. It meant he was claiming to be the one and only God himself. And that's blasphemy. And they wanted him crucified for claiming to be God. Because they knew what Son of God meant. And then if you go to Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26. Starting in verse... 62, Jesus is before the high priest. This is after his arrest again. And in Matthew 26, 62, then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said so, or it is as you say, Jesus replied. And at that, the high priest called it blasphemy and that he needed to be killed. Jesus says, I am the Son of God. Are you the Son of God? I am the Son of God. It's as you say. And that was considered blasphemy. Why? Because even the opposition understood what Son of God meant. It meant deity. It was a claim to be God. And friends, that is so important. Because Jesus, over and over again, in fact, you can read the Gospel of John, and in every chapter you can find some reference, something that pointed to Jesus being God himself. That's John's whole purpose in his Gospel is to show the deity of Jesus Christ. But this is important. The fact that Jesus claimed many times to be the Son of God, to be, in fact, God among them, means he was either a liar, that it wasn't true, or he was telling the truth. And if it wasn't true, then what are you doing here singing songs about him and worshiping and lifting up his name and celebrating his coming? If he lied the whole time he was here, claiming he was the Son of God, God himself here in the flesh. Or if those claims were true, you should be here singing songs about him and lifting him up in worship and celebrating the fact he came. God come in the flesh. The fact Jesus claimed, it wasn't only the scriptures that taught he was the son of God, God himself. But he claimed to be the son of God, God himself. That's why they killed him. They understood what he meant. His claims are either true and he's worthy of our worship 
in our celebration or they aren't true. And we should not be following and serving and worshiping a liar. That's how important the claims of Jesus are. And he claimed to be the son of God, the one and only son, God. Everybody at that time understood what son of God meant. We're the ones that have a hard time with it. The Romans knew what that meant. The Jews knew what that meant. By Jesus being called the Son of God, he was being called deity, God himself, who came in the flesh. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Well, one of the things that it means is that we need to kind of rethink Son of God here. And um, on your sheet, there's a, a little statement under number three that talks about um, character. It talks about uh, identity. It talks about nature. That little phrase, son of, can be understood in a way we don't think of very often. But it's used in Scripture this way. You might remember that Judas Iscariot was called the son of perdition. Son of perdition. Not because there was some man named perdition. Perdition means destruction, ruin. And the Bible calls Judas Iscariot the son of destruction. Why? Because that was his nature. That was his character. That was who he was. Son of perdition. Do you remember Jesus calling John and James the sons of thunder? Again, their father was Zebedee, not thunder. But they were called the sons of thunder. Why? Because they were a couple guys that wanted vindication, wanted to get even with people. They wanted to get rid of people who opposed Jesus. And because of that, Jesus called them sons of thunder. It was, it, was, it was their nature. It was their character. It's who they were. They were that kind of men. Do you remember uh, in the book of Acts, a man named Barnabas called what? The son of encouragement. What did that mean? Son of encouragement. It meant encouragement was his nature. It was his character. That's who he was. He was an encouraging person. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the sons of disobedience. What does that mean? Disobedience was part of the nature and character and identity of the people he's talking about. They were sons of disobedience. And the angel said about Jesus, he will be called the son of God. Maybe son of there means nature. That's his nature. He's God. His character. That's who he is. He's God. His identity. That's who he is. He's God. He's the son of God. Nature, character, identity. So what does that mean to us? 
It means that Jesus is pretty important. He still is. Because he's God. He's God who came in the flesh. God who came in human form to live among us. To eventually go to the cross and die for us. The deity of Jesus is a truth that is a key part of the belief that brings salvation. We spent a few weeks talking about believing in Jesus for salvation. According to Scripture, this truth about Jesus, that He is deity, He is God who came in the flesh, is a key truth to the belief that brings salvation. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, the one and only son, will not perish, but have eternal life. Turn to the end of John. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Verse 30, this is how John wraps up his gospel. John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing that, you may have life in his name. The belief that brings life eternal life. Part of that is believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Believing He was God, the one and only who came in human form. And then finally, 1 John. little uh, letter that John also wrote. He continues this theme of Jesus being the Son of God and how important that is when it comes to salvation. First John. First John chapter two. Verse twenty two. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. If you look at chapter 4, verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. Chapter 5. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then at the end of chapter 5, verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true 
and we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. John, throughout his letter, says, the people who are truly born of God, the people who have eternal life, are the ones who acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, who believe in Him, believe that He is the Son of God. What does that mean? Believe He is God, deity, who came in the form of man. And what did He do when He came? Jesus, the Son of God. Chapter 4. Verse 9, First John 4, 9, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The fact that Jesus is the Son of God, which means He's deity, He was God, come in the flesh, reminds us that it was God Himself in the person of Jesus who went to the cross. And He bore our sins on Himself. And He was judged in our place. He paid our sin penalty that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might be saved, that we might have life. Jesus coming as the Son of God doesn't mean He came as one of many sons of God or that He began His existence when He was born in the manger or that He was some secondary person in rank to God the Father. Jesus coming and being called the Son of God means He was God Himself, deity who came in human form to give His life for us that we might be freed from sin and be saved. Do you know Jesus, the Son of God, personally? Have you received Jesus, the Son of God, into your life as Savior and Lord? Have you experienced His salvation, the salvation provided by Jesus, who is called the Son of God? Deity, God Himself. The angel said, He will be called the Son of the Most Holy God. He will be called the Son of God. The only, the one and only Son, God Himself. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father, we see in Your Word that You teach these things. They're not easy for us to understand. We probably still don't understand these things, but we see them. We see that they are written. We see that Jesus claimed these things about Himself. We see that the people who lived at His time understood what it meant, His claim to be the Son of God. Father, thank You. Thank you for coming in the person of Jesus to live among us, to go to the cross. And we who have experienced your salvation, 
are so thankful. We are so grateful. You are worthy of our praise. And Father, our desire is that maybe this Christmas season, someone here in this place would realize who Jesus is, who He was and who He is, who He's always been, and that they would realize the love that caused Him to humble Himself and come here and go to the cross for them. Father, by Your Spirit, lead them to seeking You, receiving You, Your Son Jesus, as their Lord and Savior turning from their sins, seeking forgiveness, choosing to follow you. What a Christmas it would be. In Christ's name, in the Son of God's name, Jesus. Amen.